0: This morning, I uh, I like to do this uh, at least, uh, you know, usually spring, late spring, early summertime. Take uh, take a Sunday to step aside from whatever series I'm in and to go back to our vision statement as a church. Um, it's interesting, I, uh, you know, two years ago, right before COVID is when we uh, launched a new vision <laughs> for our church. Interesting how uh, God's timing in that. Uh and uh, but uh, you know a vision statement is you know it's it's just a bunch of words, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, but uh, and so unless you come back to it, unless you understand it, unless you continue to define it, unless you continue to remind people of you know what does it mean, right? Uh, and just like any word, uh, it only has you know it only has impact when we understand what it means, and the same with a vision statement. A vision statement is uh, if it's just a statement on paper but it does, it's not defined, then it's hard to really connect with it. It doesn't really do anything. And, and so uh, this morning, I, I just want to take a, a moment to go back and look at our vision statement as a church, but also to zero in on one specific area and uh, kind of help us to maybe define that a little bit more clearly, what we mean by that and what that looks like. So our vision statement as a church, if you don't know, and uh, actually we have vision cards, the little blue cards. I didn't bring one up with me. I should have. But uh, if you ever forget... You know what our vision statement is we encourage you to you know grab one of those and actually look at it on occasion and it's got questions on it so that we can engage with that vision statement but our vision statement is, uh, starts with this uh, you know the preamble that you know the the most important maybe statement of the whole vision statement is simply this that we trinity alliance are fully enjoying our relationship with jesus christ uh, that, that, you know, we, we saw that uh, as we prepared to create, you know, what is, you know, what is this church about? Who are we? What defines us uh, as a church? We thought it was really important that we focus on that relationship with Jesus Christ. Too many times in too many places we can get really confused. Uh, we can get really focused on other things that are good things, but forget that, oh, yeah, we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so we can, you know, there's some churches and some ministries that do a lot of great things in the world, and, and there may be, you know, they're serving the poor, they're, they're, they're serving people in the hospital, serving prisons, they can do all these kind of things. But if they lose sight of who is motivating, who is empowering, of who is uh, the one that's actually doing the ministry, then it becomes about us, it becomes about Our ability and pride seeps in. And so we as a church want to make sure that we zero in on this reality that first and foremost is about relationship with Jesus. But more than that, it is through our focus on Jesus that he is the one who then inspires our ministry. He's the one who calls us out into the street. He's the one that calls us to engage with those who are hurting and lost or whatever it may be. And so we don't set the agenda as a church for what God is going to do through us individually or corporately. Jesus sets that agenda. And so our vision statement clearly pushes this right at the beginning. We are fully enjoying our relationship with Jesus Christ. Under that uh, opening statement are three sub-statements, if you will. and, And how do we enjoy or where do we enjoy that relationship with Jesus christ we do it in three different areas first of all relying on the power of the holy spirit god's word and prayer we have to rely on him we've got to trust him we've got to put our faith and hope in him and so that we would again seek him first to look to him first that's what the relying on power is about second is the journeying with our church family with honesty and humility We do this corporately. We we enjoy our relationship with Jesus Christ, not one-on-one, but as a community together. And then finally, engaging our neighbor with the love of God in authentic and caring relationship. Key to being a believer of Jesus is joining him in the work that he's doing. And his work is always seeking to draw others into his family. And so we join him in that by engaging our neighbor. So these three areas are how or ways that we can and will enjoy our relationship with Jesus Christ. We are indeed called to rely on him. We are called to journey with our church family, and we are called to engage our unbelieving neighbors. This morning, however, I want to focus in on one statement, and that one statement is the, the middle statement of the final three, and that is of journeying with our church family with honesty and humility, and thus the sermon title for today, Journeying Together. It's interesting. Our world is destroying community. It's in the business of destroying community right now, especially in America. America is a country that is systematically destroying every structure where community would happen and could happen imagine think about this the, the workplace the relationship between employer and employee has never been worse employees don't trust their employer because the employer they're just after you know profits and the employer doesn't trust their their employee because they're just trying to be slackers and not do their work and and our culture has encouraged this tension there was a time in our history where work was I mean, it was almost like church, like your place of work was where you were committed, where you did everything you could to help that business succeed, that you would sacrifice time, struggles, or whatever, even, even a paycheck if you needed to because hard times were, were on the company in order to help to make that company be the best it could be. Those days seem to be long gone. Too many of us now today, we work just for the paycheck, it's not about the company. It's not about who, you know, our employer. It's not about it being successful. It's about what our employer can do for us. Now, certainly there were need, there was a need for us to maybe adjust some things. And and employers were for too many, too many times taking advantage of their employees. But now in essence, it's reversed. And we have this tension a place that used to be a place where we would build community, a place where you'd get to know your coworkers, a place where you would feel safe and secure, a place where you'd feel like you, know, you could have a family is no longer a place of community. Consider education. There was a time when uh, you know, we respected our teachers, and our teachers respected us as parents. There was a time when the students respected teachers, and the teachers respected students. But we have a world that is seeking to destroy that community, causing teachers to work behind the backs of their parents because they think the parents are not, don't know what they're doing, and, and parents who are trying to work behind the backs of their teachers because the parents don't trust the teachers. And so there's this battleground. What used to be a place of community has now become a place of division, of distrust. We've certainly seen this as well in the church. There was a time where pastors, you walk into a room as a pastor and like, you know, everyone like kind of turned and respected you and understood who you were and, and like, wow, this guy, is, this is a man of the cloth, This is a man of God. This is, this is a holy man. Like we're going to treat them differently nowadays. No, pastors are just like anybody else. Matter of fact, oftentimes pastors are less trusted than other people in the church because yeah, what are you really doing? What's your, what's your deal? What's your what's your angle? What are you trying to do here? Are you just trying to get your own glory? Are you just trying to build up your own church? Whatever. I mean, it's amazing. We've had this tension that's happened within, in the church of leadership, but also within each other. Relationship in the church has been destroyed and divisions have risen, especially in the last couple of years. Man, it's amazing what a pandemic can do. Right? Think about the divisions that have come in the church over a pandemic in a time when you'd think we would be drawn together as a nation and especially as a church. Instead, it has become a place of great division, where churches have been split in the last couple of years. People have bailed out of the church and left the church maybe forever because of what they experienced in two years under COVID. It's amazing. Our country continues to destroy Foundations for community, of course, we all know this one, family. The family's been under attack for years and years, decades now. Destroying the family unit. Don't need fathers anymore to raise kids. Don't need two parents. Now we can do it on our own. If you don't like what's happening, just bail out. Even friendships have become a point of division. Friendships are not what they used to be. It's amazing, Uh, even in this time, I've been amazed at, again, COVID, the divisions that have happened in our families and in our friendships. Again, over a pandemic. Like, uh, we can have different opinions on this. You can have different opinions on the vaccine. You can have different opinions on wearing a mask or not. Different opinions, you know, all of that. But it's amazing to see how division has been fostered and has just exploded in the last two years. I'm so saddened to hear of families that have been broken up over their different stances on COVID. So sad that even I was, there was tension between me and friends at times that I'd never had tension with before. Thankfully, I haven't lost those friends, but man, it was close for a while. Our culture causes us to distrust our neighbors Causes us to distrust distrust reporters, the news, distrust scientists, distrust politicians. And of course, the one that's been around forever, people of different races, ethnicities, religious backgrounds. We are in a culture right now that is more divided than it has ever been. It is amazing that we can still exist as a country, in my opinion. We have seen the destruction of communities in every walk of life. But we also see, to add to this now, a destruction of communication as well. Cell phones and social media, while allowing us more access with one another, has actually dumbed down or diminished our ability to communicate with each other. We now substitute a Facebook post for an actual sit-down and a conversation. We try to state opinions uh, in a little clip or in a meme on Facebook or on Instagram instead of actually sitting down with someone and talking through the different topics or the different issues or the different opinions we may have. Communication in, on cell phones has become you know, just letters, not even words anymore. Not that that's, not, that's totally bad, but if that is the only way that we're communicating, which increasingly is becoming the only way of communication, how many times have you sat across the room from someone and texted them? Right? I mean, it's happening. How many times do you sit around the dinner table and you have the whole family and they're on their cell phones? Not a word spoken between them. Matter of fact, oftentimes they're not even talking to each other. They're talking to other people or they're scrolling social media, whatever it may be. So we see that uh, we have a culture that has sought to destroy the structures of community are also now trying to destroy the ability for us even to communicate with one another. We have in our country right now what would be called extreme individualism where I don't need anyone else. I can survive on my own. I'm gonna. I want to, you know, buy a piece of property out in the middle of nowhere where I don't ever have to see anybody. I can do it. Or if I am gonna be in the commu- in a community, I'm gonna, you know, nobody can tell me what to do. I am doing my thing, my way. If you don't like it, that's your deal. We also see extreme toler- uh, tolerance, where everyone must accept, support, and promote my particular opinion. We see extreme humanism, basically. That's what it boils down to. My personal pleasure is the highest morality in the world. The end result of all of this, not surprisingly, is extreme isolation. Americans are more unhappy than they ever have been in the history of a country as a a nation because We're more and more isolated. We don't have community. Our families have been disrupted. Our friendships have been disrupted. Our neighborhoods have been disrupted. Our workplace has been disrupted. Our church has been disrupted. There is no place where we really have community anymore. But let me encourage you with this (laughs) this word. It's worse on TV than it is in real life. It's worse in TV than it is in real life. I would suspect almost everyone here has some form of community somewhere. And this is where I will go on my my soapbox again about uh, national news. Folks, we need to turn off the national news. I'm not saying we should never watch it, but we cannot handle the national news. We can't, as human beings, we can't. When we see things over and over again that we can't do anything about, That causes us to become apathetic and numb to real life problems. Watching national news is something that we should do on occasion to keep our idea, you know, be aware of what's happening in the world and in our nation. But the most important news that we should be watching is what is happening here in Reading. Paying attention to news in Reading, uh, we can do something about that. When we see someone hurting, we see a family that's lost their job, we see you know, a kid that needs to be adopted or whatever, we see some kind of tragedy that happens. If it's local, we can do something about it. We can get a hold of them. We can talk to them. We can send them a card. We can pray for them. We know, may not even know them. So back to destruction of community. So what, you know, whose fault is this? Whose fault is the destruction of community in America. Now, we, 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 we want to blame politicians. We want to play blame the liberals. We want to bl- blame the conservatives. We want to blame, you know, big business. We want to play bl- blame elitists. elitists. We got lots of people to blame, but here's the reality. The real fault of this, the one who's caused all of this, it's Satan. Ephesians 6, right? Ephesians 6, 12, right? We are battling against, not flesh and blood, but against the dark forces in this world. We're battling against Satan. We see the division, and sometimes we want to come back, and we start blaming people for the division, which only causes more division, which is Satan's like, dude, this is awesome. Like, I create all this division, And then, once division happens, people start blaming each other so there's even more division and I don't get blamed. He's pretty happy about it. But we shouldn't be surprised that Satan is the one who's driving for division because he's always working against what God wants. And it's clear in Scripture that God desires for community. Hebrews chapter 10, popular passage. I always hesitate preaching on popular passages, right? You know, because, you know, everybody's already got their opinion on it. But hey, here we go. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So this passage starts off with a very important caveat. Like it starts, you know, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Paul does this over and over again at different times in his writings, but he says, you know, remember what Jesus has done. Do you you remember what he's done? Do you remember that he gave his life for you, that he poured out his blood on your behalf? Do you remember that Jesus saw our sinful condition, saw that there was no way we could ever be reconciled to the Father, and so he shows up, he comes on our behalf. And then gives his life to pay the price for our sin, but also to cleanse us of that sin so that we could be reconciled with God. Do you realize that? Do you remember that? Don't forget. This is really important. But because he's done that, two great things come out of that, Paul says. The first, as he says, come to Jesus. Come to God. It's, it's amazing to think. This blows me away. John 17, verses 20 and 21, Jesus is praying. And he says that those who come to Jesus, those who bow their knee to Jesus as Lord, that they are united. They become one with Jesus and the Father. Unbelievable. How is that possible? We don't understand. It's a great mystery. But it is truth. We are one with Jesus. We are one with the Father. We can have this intimate relationship with Him. It's not just a list of rules and regulations. God did not send His Son to come and die for us so that we could be His slaves. He could be, We could be His slaves as sinful human beings, as rebellious human beings. We could still be His slaves. Because that's, so that's not it. He came and died for us so that we could be His friends, so that we could be in His family, so that we could be His children. He wants and desires intimate relationship with us and continues to seek us for that are you seeking him for that are you stepping with confidence into the throne room of god not because you are great but because jesus is great because jesus has paved the way he said look you can be intimate with your creator again you can do it he's there waiting for you arms wide open will you come And then the second piece of this, again, because of what Jesus has done, because him pouring out his blood for us, for him washing us clean, we also have this amazing truth, this amazing opportunity to be one with each other. To be in community together. Paul is calling us to two community centers. The first is with the Father, the second is with each other. And that's the reality. As we step out as Christians and we seek to find the Father and seek that intimacy, we get there and we go, oh my gosh, look, there's like other people around. Like he's got a lot of children. This is crazy, right? (laughs) And that happens, right? But he says, look, it's not just about you and me. He never calls us to lone range Christian, Christianity. He's never calling us to that. He always calls us to himself and to others. The call in Hebrews here is, is, is one that says, because of what Christ has done, boldly come to the throne, come in confidence in the blood of Jesus to the throne of God, and, and seek intimate relationship with him, but also recognize that you have also been reconciled with his other children, and so seek relationship and intimacy with them as well. We are called to community with God and with a family of believers. And especially in the church, the church should be the sweetest of all communities. It should be sweeter than the employee, pl- employer, employment place community. It should be sweeter than, than the education community. It should be sweeter than the neighborhood community. It actually even should be sweeter than our biological family community. God has done something with this spiritual family that draws us together, and we see in the midst of that that we have all the same sin. We have the same Savior. We have the same mission, and we have the same hope. And those things draw us into unity with one another. So he calls us into this community with a family of believers, but what does community look like? Again, because community has been so thoroughly destroyed, it seems, in our, in our world, constantly fighting and battling against it, we need to take a moment to go, okay, what is true community? What does that look like? What should community in the church look like? First, it needs to be filled with honesty. There are too many communities where we step in and we feel like you know we've got to put on a show. Maybe you've been a part of that before, right? You know, maybe a, a social club of some sort where you kind of step in, you kind of like, "Okay, I got to I got to kind of navigate things, make sure I don't say the wrong thing and I make sure I say the right thing and I wear the right stuff, you know, because I got to fit in to this community. I don't want to, you know, tweak anybody or whatever." No, you know, in the church community, that's 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 not true community. True community is in the church where you can be yourself. You can be who you are. That's where we find true community. We don't have to hide which, of course, means that we have to admit that we're sinners. And maybe that's the challenge of true community, part of it at least. That we show up recognizing, yeah, I'm, I'm a sinner too. I've got issues. I've got struggles. I'm not perfect. I mess up all the time. And so we apologize for our failures. We strive to do right in the community, but we recognize that, you know, Sometimes we're going to mess up. Being honest means that we admit our wrongs. Being honest means that we let people journey alongside of us. I have so often been saddened as a pastor over the 20-some years that I've done so of the number of people that have been going through a really, really difficult time in life And they never told me. Not just me. They didn't tell anyone. Being in community, true community, means that you're vulnerable. You let people know when life is hard. We don't have to put on, you know, a happy face. Oh, everything's great this week. How you doing? Oh, I'm fine. That's great. I'm good. If it's not good, can we say it's not? I'm glad that in this community, there's a lot of you that are open and willing to say, hey, life's hard right now. That's a good thing. We need to continue to foster and encourage that. Because true community comes when we are honest with one another. Honesty means that we allow for accountability to happen as well. That we don't just, you know, you know, again, Lone Ranger, we we invite people to say, hey, yeah, you, you messed up there. Man, that can be hard. But again, if we come in with honesty, if we admit right away and we know that we're sinners, and then someone comes to us and says, hey, you screwed up there, we should be able to go, oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm a sinner. I mess up sometimes, right? That's the way it works. But if you come into a community thinking that you've got to put on you know, this, this face right, and try to look really good, then someone comes to you and says, hey, you've messed up here. We're like, no, 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 we defend ourselves because, no, i got this great image out here. You, you can't break that image. No, 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 we're, we're, we're going to have true community. True community means that I recognize that sometimes I do stupid things. True community also means we are humble. And humility is about accepting other people as they are. If we're going to walk in here honestly and let people, hey, you know, I am what I am, be real with people, then we've got to also humbly accept other people being real with us. We accept them as they are, recognizing, hey, they're not perfect either. That they're sometimes going to do stuff that hurts me. They're sometimes going to say things that, uh, that I don't like. They're sometimes going to do stuff that's just not right, you know, and is, is sinful, And I might have to pay the consequence for that. But I'm going to accept them as they are, recognizing, hey, man, but for the grace of God, I could have done that same thing. So we come alongside people because of humility, willing to forgive them and to show them mercy, striving to love and respect them as best we can. Humility means we let people be themselves. We let people pre- just maybe presume upon our grace sometimes. We let people take more of our time than maybe they should. True community also includes service. You guys have all heard of the Great Commission, right? Matthew chapter 28, right? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? You know, the, I mean this is this is you know the Great Commission. We've all, all Christians, I think, have heard of the Great Commission, and we've taught about it many times. But have you ever heard about the Great Call to Service? <laughs> no, we don't hear that one very often, do we? Great commission yeah let's go out and save the lost but what about great service in john chapter 13 jesus gives the great call to service let me read verses 12 through 15 when jesus had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place he said to them do you understand what i have done to you you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet, for I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. So now we pull out the wash basins, right, we start washing people's feet. Now, this isn't about necessarily feet washing. It's about service. Jesus says, hey, I came to be a servant a servant to all. I came to care for other people. I came to put them and their needs above my own. Like Paul says in Philippians chapter two, right? That we would consider other people's needs more important than our own. That we would seek to care for them and their needs first. That we would serve because Jesus has served. He has called us to this service. The question is, are we serving? In true community, we serve each other. We care for one another. We come alongside each other. When there's a need, we rise to the occasion and take care of that need. One of the great benefits of being in community is simply this. We have this concept a little bit in our families. You know, our families, you know, if one of of your kids is struggling, right, adult kids is struggling, like you're like, hey, what can I do to help, right? You want to come alongside them and help them out. You know, so we kind of already do that a little bit in our families, but what about our church? True community is also going to include serving one another. When we hear someone is in trouble, when we hear someone is struggling, whether it be financially or in relationally or whatever it may be, we come alongside them, we help them, we serve them, we seek for those opportunities. Part of service is also back to humility being humble enough to receive service are we willing to let other people serve us are you willing to let somebody else wash your feet can be really hard sometimes we as americans we can be pretty prideful think you know again individualism i can do it i don't need anybody else i've got this So we gotta be humble, but also we've got to be honest in order to be served. Again, do people know our struggle? Are you just holding it inside? Are you not telling anybody about the struggle you have? Maybe you've got a family broke, you know, that's that's blown up right now. Maybe you've got, you know, you've lost your job. Maybe you've got financial disaster all around you. Have you told anybody? Does this community, somebody in this community, know? If we're going to serve, we have to also be willing to be served. and So we have to be honest and we have to be humble. Now understand, in true community, it is not a place of perfection. Sometimes we look at the church community or any community, and the moment it fails us, we're out. The expectation is that community has to be perfect, that it's always going to work just the way I want it to work, that I'm never going to get hurt. But true community is not perfect. It's also true community is not safe. We have an obsession with safe places, safe spaces in our country, a place where we'll never get offended, a place where we'll never get hurt, like that somehow exists this side of heaven. We need to understand in church community that it's not a a perfect place. We're sinful, so are others, but it's also not a safe place. Sometimes we are going to get hurt. But that's, that's true no matter where you're at in the world, even if you're by yourself. Because the reality is, isolation is probably more painful than what other people can do to us. Maybe hard to believe that for some of you, and I understand that. Community is not easy. It can be hard to really commit to a community, to really engage with that community. But remember what Jesus did. Remember what Jesus did you were flailing. You had no hope. You had nowhere to go. You were stuck in your sin. And when death came, you were not just going to die physically, but you were going to die spiritually. You were going to be dead forever, condemned to an eternity without Jesus. And then he showed up. While we were still sinners, he died for us paid the price for our sin, and poured out his blood to cleanse us of that sin so that we could have intimate relationship with our Father and so that we could have intimate relationship with one another. Community is not perfect. It's not safe. But it is what Jesus has called us into. There is no such thing as Lone Ranger Christians. We need to be around other believers. We need to be with them, to live with them, to journey with them, to be vulnerable with them, to be humble and to be honest, to be real, to have real, true community. Too many Christians are isolated from other Christians. Yeah, they may attend services on Sunday, but they don't know anyone, and no one knows them. There's no intimacy, it's just a religious box to check off. Yeah, I went to church today. (laughs) There's no connection with anyone in the church during the week, there's no caring there's no opportunity to serve or to be served where are you yeah i know you're here today you think come on pastor i'm right here yeah you are here but where are you are you are you are you involved in this community now maybe you're you know visiting this morning or maybe you're new to this church And you're like, I don't know if I want to be a part of this community. Yeah, okay. But are you involved in any community? Do you have other Christians that you're spending time with? Are you very involved? Like, is it just a Sunday thing for you? Or is it really about relationship? About intimacy? About really getting to know somebody and allowing others to know you? Or are you just nominally involved? Just kind of dipped your toe in. Or maybe you're not even involved at all. Maybe you're like a you know, a holiday, you know, it happened to be Memorial Day weekend and so you're out for church on Sunday. <laughs> I understand that life is busy. Matter of fact, that's another thing this world loves to do is keep us too busy for Jesus. I understand that life can be busy. I understand that being a part of a church is—it it takes time. It's effort. Like it—it's not easy. I've been there. I was a bi-vocational pastor for 10 years. Worked like 10 hours in the church. Worked 40 hours at a grocery store. I—I I understand. It's not easy. I get it. But the things that are important. The things that are valuable, the things that Jesus calls us to should be things we sacrifice for, we get committed to, we get involved in. Where are you? What's your level of commitment to this church? What's your level of engagement in relationships? I think there's many in here that, that are very involved. I know many of you are super involved in a lot of things. And, and I want to caution you because, you know, oftentimes it's the people who are super involved that always feel the most guilty about things, you know, oh, I, I, I should do more. <laughs> and, and I just want to say to you, stop, okay? <laughs> You're very involved and you should be very involved and that's awesome. But, you know, I caution you from jumping into more. And there's some of you that are nominally involved or maybe not hardly involved at all. Matter of fact, some maybe that are online. They haven't been to church in some time now. There's reasons to not come to church anymore. I understand. With COVID that happened a couple of years ago, that caused a real disruption. And there's some that it's it's right for them to stay home. But I know that there's some that are still home that, you know, likely are just home because it's convenient. I'll just watch online. That but that's not community. That, that's not relationship. You know, I, we could, shoot, you know, stop watching us. Watch somebody else who can is a better communicator. Like, I mean, come on, seriously. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of great communicators online that you can watch. Don't watch me. But if you're going to watch me, let's be in community together. And, and some people that are stuck at home and can't make it. You, church, are, are we reaching out to them? Are, are we taking community to them? Hmm. All right, worship team, why don't you come up? I need to I need to stop. <sighs> <sighs> Satan is trying to isolate us from others. It's not our politicians. I'm not saying they don't have a role to play, but can, can we just stop with blaming our politicians and thinking that if we just fix our political problems, that everything will go back to great—you know, everything will be gravy, everything will be really good? Like, like the passage that Laura read earlier. Like, pray. Like, seek Jesus. Like, go to Him. The battle that we are fighting is not a flesh—a battle of flesh and blood. It's a battle against the spiritual realities of this world. We have an enemy. The enemy is Satan, and he is always working behind the scenes to motivate politicians, employers, elitists, whoever they may be, to do things that will destroy God's kingdom, will destroy lives, will destroy community. Satan is trying to isolate us. He wants this country to be divided. He doesn't want us to interact with one another. He doesn't want us to be able to feel like we have family or friends or connections with others. He wants us to be totally isolated, alone, left with our own thoughts, left with our own abilities, left with just us. That's what he wants. Although the rest of our communities, our our structures for community, have been disrupted significantly over the last 50 or so years, church, we have not lost that battle yet. We can be. You want to fix America? Let's be together. Let's show them how to do community. Coming together, not expecting everybody to believe what I believe. Not expecting that everyone is going to be perfect and never do something that hurts me or never going to say something that offends me. True community allows for diversity of thought. That's where you find true unity. Not in conformity, but in diversity. May we set an example for America, for our neighbors, for our co-workers, for our politicians, for the news agencies. This is what community looks like. True community that isn't just something we show up on Sunday to do, but something that we come in and we really dive into community. We're honest with one another. We're humble with one another. We serve one another and we allow others to serve us. This is the community that Jesus calls us to. This is why he died on the cross for us, not just to restore us to the Father, but to restore us to each other. Will you commit? I know many of you already are, but if you're not, will you? If you're nominally involved, if you're not involved, are you willing to commit? Do you want to be loved? To feel true love? True community? It's not perfection. It's not never being hurt. It's honesty. It's humility. It's vulnerability. It's service. It's care. It's love. That's love. If we really, as a church, want to be the church, we must resist the temptation to distrust, to blame, and to isolate And we must prioritize the Christian community and get involved. Fully enjoying our relationship with Jesus is done in community. And community is journeying together in life with honesty and humility. Amen. Heavenly Father, uh, at the end of Hebrews 10, verse 25, it says uh, not only should we not uh, stop meeting together, but we should do that even more so as we see the day approaching. Lord, we are in a battleground in our world as things seem to spiral down worse and worse each year, each month maybe. But Lord, you are still active. You are still working. You are still providing salvation and drawing people into your kingdom and lord when the world is falling down around us where do we go we go to you first and then when we're at your throne we recognize we are not alone so lord help us continue to draw us into community lord continue to help us to to, to have true community not just something that's fake not just a religious practice but, but Lord that we would really come to know one another that there would be people in this church that we open up our lives to and allow them to really get to know us and that we seek to really get to know Lord that we'd be caring for one another's needs we'd be carrying each other's burdens that we'd be celebrating with each other that we'd be worshiping with each other that we'd be mourning with each other Lord that we would face conflict and choose to engage, to seek reconciliation and seek forgiveness and seek to give appropriate apologies. For your glory, but also for the blessing that we receive to know that we're not alone, that we're not isolated, that we have true community. Colossians 3:12 to 17. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. Have a great church, a great day, church. If you would like prayer for anything this morning, we encourage you to come forward for healing or for, you got something going on and you need some people to support you in that, please come forward and we'd love to pray for you. Thanks.